network. Don't think that I don't think about you. I do. What's this episode about? That's what I think that you're thinking. Both my eyes are shut. I have my hands over my eyes. I'm thinking, oh, what's this episode about? Listen up. Beasley Broadcast Group, Rinda Broadcasting, the Old Clear Channel, the manager of KISS. Yes, KISS, the band. Okay. Jack. Yes, the basketball player. And potentially the worldwide example of how to be a great endorser. They all make an appearance in this episode because of who we are going to be talking about today on this podcast episode. We are going to talk about change of radio, change, big word, uh, consequential, right? Entrepreneurial nature, struggle, growth failure and what that means and what is possible in radio, no matter what version of radio you're actually talking about. Creativity and reality will come together on this one episode because of our guest. Our guest is that guy. That's an ideal person for us to talk to and talk with on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Ready? To enjoy any of our episodes, listen, you only really need to be interested in others and want to grab for yourself some thoughts and wisdom about how others are being successful in radio right now. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, and hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro while uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway. Programming consultants, look, they have made great contributions to radio for decades. Times have changed, and it feels like it's time for something new. What would it be like? I just want you to think about this. What would it be like to encourage a different kind of consultant today, to engage a different kind of consultant, one that can meet the needs of a busy local owner or manager of a single station or cluster that wants to grow more revenue right now. Better content, better branding, coaching for on-air talent, music, research resources, and let's bump it up. Why not? So that you can see some money, sales coaching, sales strategy, and ideas that will help your sales team rope in more revenue in the coming months. Here's what we call that. RPC, our practice, is an actual multiplier helping local radio generate higher ratings and revenue. We make your life easier, better, faster, more profitable. Ideas are the new technology. Whatever your vision of a consultant is, we're not like that today. Today, we work with our clients on branding, revenue, profit, and innovation that makes your property or properties worth more than your competition. It's a different way of thinking and creating value. All you have to do is see about getting that free consultation. Reach out anytime for that confidential and free consultation. Shoot me an email. It's so easy. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast episodes. We're only, I don't know, a minute, maybe less, away from talking with Gentry Thomas. He's the founding partner of Radio Customs, that's the parent company that owns Jack Fu Radio, Muddy Country Radio, Podcast Playground, and Audio Swamp. Man, this is going to be fun. See our full guest calendar all the way into June now, 2023, uh, anytime, anytime in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. We do not lock away anything on our site the way some other consultants do. We call this, uh, this uh, it's just a theory we have, the theory of abundance. Ask me about it sometimes. I'd love to share that with you. Go anytime to rainmakerpathway.com and see what you can get for free from our team. Gentry, 
Welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, brother? I'm excellent, man. Love talking radio. And uh, now I got to give you a call for that free consultation so that you can help me to make even more money. Oh, you know what? You think I'm kidding about that. It is a high passion for me. I am a firm believer in what you can create with creativity that turns into value and money. And I think it's often overlooked in our business. Listen, I feel like we might should be playing We Are Family. And and that's because you got into radio. Look, it's in your blood, honestly, right? Can you tell us how you entered your life in radio? Yeah, I think I was conceived in the back of the station vehicle and I was delivered under the console at WRIN Radio in the cornfields of Indiana. So, yes, I came right right into the earth, uh, loving radio. My dad was uh, a radio guy and I was born into it. I remember climbing and crawling across the floors at the radio station at WRIN. The station was in the basement and then the apartment that me, my mom and my dad lived in was upstairs. So we literally lived above the radio station when I was a baby. See, I'm just going to say for people who entered radio in a different era or whatever, radio stations used to be different. Some radio stations still like this. It's not. It's pretty rare air. Now, did your dad encourage you to go into radio? I think that I don't know that he ever said, hey, you should come into the business because most radio people don't recommend, you know, you should go get a a real job, as people say in the radio business. But I think it was my own curiosity, my own intrigue, because my dad was doing cool stuff when I was a kid. We were going to concerts. Uh, I remember my dad uh, was uh, doing a talent, uh, like getting a talent fee at, at a Hooters offshore boat race and i was on a yacht with hooters girls when i was 10 and i saw my dad working the mic uh my father not only was on the radio but he also um was a dj like your regular disc jockey so i can remember carrying crates of records and setting up the speakers and queuing up records for him and uh i think the intrigue of the lifestyle of the business uh intrigued me as a child so, but he, ne- he never was like, hey, you should get into this business. I think he was more like, you should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. You should get a real job. But good thing I didn't listen to him because uh, it turned out to be a pretty damn good career so far. Well, and also you're getting on the job training without it being on the job training. It's really kind of weird. Now, look, in the beginning, early, did you have a goal for yourself in the radio business? Here's what I'm asking. Did, did you go, man, I want to do mornings or I want to program or was it something else? I got in the business so early that uh, as soon as I had a car, my my dad said, if you want a part time job, you know, they're looking for a guy to drive the van. Uh, they're looking for uh, someone to run the board for remotes, uh, you know, to be a foot in the door. Doesn't pay very much. I think I was making like six dollars and a quarter an hour. And it was mostly on the weekends. And when I first got in the business, I honestly just, I felt like I wanted to be a radio star and bang chicks. Really, when you're 16, I was like, wow, this is great. I'm going to be working at the radio station. But as I evolved in the business, I definitely wanted to have a shot at being a program director because who doesn't want to be a boss? Uh, But I also uh, had aspirations to be a morning man, which I was able to do for a while successfully. That was fun, but I didn't love getting up early. And then I found that uh, at one point in my career, I was best in the production room where I was oh. really I was really good with uh, at the time it was Saw Plus, which evolved into Cool Edit Pro, which has now evolved into Adobe Audition. So I, I got to where I was doing really good production and people were like wanting me to do their production inside the building. And then they were wanting me to do it around the country. So I, I pretty much have checked all the boxes at the stations from driving the van to being the PD to being the music director to doing whatever it is the program director needed me to do. I I, I was there to do it. Now you can tell we're just a few minutes into this interview. And if you listen to our regular weekly episode, you know that tonight, this episode that you're listening to right now is going to be filled with vulnerability. It's going to be filled with uh, just honest, straight out, blurting it out the way it is. And I'm cool with all that. Let's talk about your time at Renda. Yeah, that was my first job, Renda Broadcasting. I, like I said, I drove the van and uh, I uh, I had a couple of cute, you think about this now in 2023, so I, I don't want to offend anyone, but we did have cute girls 
that I went to high school with were high school kids. And they would have me drive the van and bring my beautiful high school girlfriends with me. And they would stand on top of the van at the corner of whatever busy intersection. And I would uh, hand out bumper stickers and T-shirts and CDs at the time were being given away. And these girls would wear the short shorts that the country girls wear. And they would hold signs like honk if you're horny and, uh, you know, stop buying get a butt sticker. And uh, the program director loved it. He thought it sounded great on the air and we got a, a big reaction. And then that evolved into me going on air. I, I ended up getting like a Saturday night request show. No, 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 no. Wait just a minute before you go anywhere. I just want to put in a plug here for. I know if people are really woke and they found themselves on this podcast episode, I just want you to know that radio used to do a lot of things to get attention. And all the things you just heard are attention getting. Now go ahead. Yeah. So it didn't end well, though, at Renda, unfortunately. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was doing a weekend shift and uh, I got off the air and I'm 16 years old. My buddies meet me at the station. And it's one of those buildings where it's like a community building where there's like an insurance company and there's who knows what other title companies, a bunch of other businesses in the building. And so there's community bathrooms and my buddies come to pick me up and they realize that the bathroom signs are like Velcroed on. So they they swap oh. the men's and women's signs. They just swap. They you know, put the men on the women's bathroom, put the women on the men's bathroom. And then we just kind of chuckled. And I went on my Saturday evening with my buddies. I get a call. Uh, from the PD. He's like, Gentry, need to get, get your butt down to the radio station. I'm like, what, what, what did I do? Uh, I get there, they bring me in the GM's office and they're like, uh, we got a big problem. We had a woman in the building from like the title company. She went to go use the restroom. And next thing you know, she walks in and there's guys, you know, at the urinal <laughs> with their junk hanging out. And uh, we saw you and your buddies on the camera switch around the, that you're fired. And so uh, welcome to radio. As they say, you haven't made it in radio till you've been fired. I was fired right away. So uh, my job at Rinda at 16, I wasn't making the smartest decisions, Lloyd. And unfortunately, I lost my first job. Oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to say when you're 16 years old, you are not generally known as making solid decisions. I'm not talking about you personally, <laughs> Gentry, but also you're talking about the mixture of radio people, which, you know, I mean, is some high art people sometimes, some creatives, and then the regular business world. So I could see how you got in trouble there. Listen, when you worked for Beasley Broadcast Group, you did nights on B103.9. Is that, Am I understanding that right? And you were still a senior in high school, right? I was, yep, a, a senior in high school. And then I would do uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., and so at that point in my life, I started to believe that school wasn't for me. I was oh. a radio, I was a radio star and uh, I, 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 I would miss miss some school. Uh, but I felt like I, I was in my lane and I was doing really good on B103. I was getting good ratings and people were liking me. And so I thought I was uh, well on my way with B103.9 senior in high school on the air. I was one of the cool kids in high school because I was on the air. But then, unfortunately, Lloyd, I ended up losing that job, too. Uh oh. <laughs> 16. Now, this is a good story, too. I, I laugh about it because, you know, you learn from your mistakes. I've, I've learned that. But I used to have one of my buddies come in and uh, he, he would run the board for me so I could get some production done. And the phones, you know, back in the day in radio, as you know, Lloyd, the phones were hot. You know, lots of people oh, yeah. calling, calling in. Well, when I'm in the production room, one of my high school buddies answers the phone and he starts talking to some girl who's a teenager herself. You know, we're teenagers. The girls calling into the top 40 station are teenagers. And this girl proceeds to invite my buddy Kevin over to her house. And so I don't know. I'm kind of oblivious of it because I really didn't know what happened. But I get a call from the program director. And again, Gentry, get your ass down here. We got to talk. I'm thinking, man, I, I didn't do anything this time. And what happened? And I sit down and the guys, the program director says, I can't believe you did this. I just had to get off the phone with some, some mom. And she said the DJ late night got off the air and came and sn snuck in my daughter's window. I guess my buddy started talking to this girl. He went over and snuck in her window. And then the mom found out. 
the, the mom called the radio station because I guess the girl told the mom, oh, he's the DJ from P103. He, he came over. He's a nice guy. Well, the mom didn't care. She called the station. And uh, I didn't know what he was talking about when he said it. I was like, I never went to no girl's house. I have no idea what you're talking about. And they well, fired you anyway. They fired me anyways because I shouldn't have had friends when I did finally figure out what happened. Yeah, I still got fired because you shouldn't have your friends in the studio when you're doing. Well, a here's the thing that we've learned in two jobs when you were in high school. OK, and that is that, that choose your friends wisely. <laughs> right. Choose your friends wisely and don't take them to work with you because things can happen. Listen, you then made your way to the old clear channel. Isn't it interesting how we get to say the old clear channel? Who hired you at Clear Channel Gentry? It was the same guy that fired me for the bathroom incident. So obviously he didn't think it was that bad of a prank because it was my good buddy, Paul Orr, who hired me back. Uh, but at this time he had moved to Clear Channel. And so he hired me to do some nights on a country station, which then evolved into I got my first full time gig at 18 and uh, maybe close to 19. And I got middays on a hot country station. And, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed working with Paul. All right. Let's talk about him because I know Paul Orr and Paul now has a very successful uh, voiceover business and is very emotive. And it's because Paul is a very creative human. So you also get creativity when you get him as a voiceover talent. What was it like working for Paul or at that time? Yeah, Paul was fairly young. If I, if I was 18, 19, I think he's maybe 10 years older than me. So he, he was barely 30 at that time, if that. Right. And he, what I liked about Paul was he lived the lifestyle of the audience, you know, and uh, I did too. We, we went, to, it was a country station and we went to rodeos. We went to truck pulls. We went to mud holes. We went to country bars. Uh, we, we looked the look, we talked the talk, we walked the walk and we lived the radio station at that time. It was 24 seven, uh, not because we had to, it was because we wanted to. And I think Paul was a big part of that. He was the first time I had it real. I guess I was air checked maybe once or twice, but he was the first guy that consistently air checked me. A lot of times I would get air checked once or twice and then, the PD would just, you know, give me his two cents and we'd move on. But Paul was good about air checking you once a week. And uh, and, and I thought it was constructive criticism. I never left one of those air check sessions saying to myself, man, this this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, well, I'll and listen, listen, <laughs> talking sure. with talent about what they're doing, having influence with them where you're sharing. This is really great what you did here. And. And then talking about how you can use your skills and your talent to become better and stronger and more connective is something that I feel like has, let's say it's faded in the business. And that's unfortunate, I, I think, for a lot of different reasons, including the fact that air talent creates the value often. And especially if they're good emotive talent that can connect for endorsements and that kind of thing. So it was really good that you had that kind of influence early. I, I want to talk to you about something called Heartland Broadcasting Group. You did voice tracking there. How did that job come about? Uh, again, that was my dad who uh, he was doing mornings on this station and uh, they needed a voice tracker. And so uh, I said, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. I had done a little bit of voice tracking when I was at Clear Channel, I'm not a huge fan of it. I find that in the back of my mind, when I know that it's recorded, I can stop and start again. The, the oh, you can make it perfect, right? Yes, and and, and to to an extent, that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing, I think, because you lose that live on the air feel uh, where it's natural, it's live, and I think in some cases, I think the listener can they may they may not 100 percent know it, but I think they can feel it subconsciously. Yeah, how about this? Every human on earth is imperfect, not perfect. So when you actually try to make something perfect, it's not like your listener. Agreed. How about and that? So, so voice tracking for me, although yeah. I felt like I got a rhythm, I was doing it, uh, but I wasn't in the market. And when I was talking about the things that were going on in the market, I was just 
reading exactly what the PD would put in the notes. And I really didn't live the lifestyle on the market. I really didn't know the market that well. And uh, I did it for a while, but then it became a chore. And uh, I just kind of didn't pay a lot either. So I uh, I, mo I moved on from that. It was a pretty small right. window of opportunity, but it did give me a chance to get some experience voice track. Yeah, and I think different variety of experience is good for anybody. Listen, you had a kind of a... I would say a big departure from radio. You went to work for something called TD Productions. Tell tell us about that business and what you learned from it, because we're going somewhere. What was that like? Yeah, so TD, TD, Productions. TD Productions, the TD is not for touchdown. It's for The Dude, which is a close friend of mine named Rick Vasky, who got his start in radio at WEBN, the legendary rock station in Cincinnati. Uh, he and I worked together at Beasley Broadcasting. He was the NTR director, and uh, I was the program director and uh, did some morning production for our morning producing for one of the morning shows at Beasley. And me and Rick always worked well together with his NTR department and my stations. We always came up with creative ideas. Well, in 2009, that's when the economy took a dump. Uh, radio stations were cutting back. And so I was a budget cut from Beasley, as well as the dude, Rick Vasky. We were we were fired on the same day. We were told we didn't do anything wrong. We were just told that they're cutting budgets and and he and I let go on the same day. So uh, Rick Vasky uh, started TD Productions, the dude productions. And we did everything from being an ad agency to printed t-shirts to set up sound and lights for events, DJ events, booked DJs and bands for events. We did, uh, uh, we started a company called custom business radio, where we created a radio station for a tanning place called zoom tan, where we made playlists for them and branded their business inside their business, which now I hear all kinds of businesses have their own. It's a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business. Yeah, we were doing that in 2011. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we didn't get the big, big clients like uh, Walmart or uh, we, we were trying to get one of the um, auto parts stores. I think we had Napa Auto Parts on the hook, uh, but it didn't end up working out because they said their customer comes in for what they, they know what they want. You go to a parts store and you're only there for five minutes. It's not a place that you're at for a long period of time. But we were out there hitting the streets, trying to sell grocery stores. We were trying to sell gyms. Yeah. And, uh, and it was a, it was an interesting time at TD productions, you know, definitely entrepreneurship at its finest. Some weeks we didn't know how we were going to get paid, but we found ways to get paid. Even at one point we opened up a cereal bar next to the college and, uh, it was it was called the Dudes Cereal Bar, and uh, we literally sold cereal and Wi-Fi, and we had uh, Wii was really popular, so we had Wii set up with the bowling and the baseball, and college kids came. the pro The problem is is that there's you can't make a ton of money on cereal, so it was it was a fa failing business. But I thought it was an interesting idea, and we sold our T-shirts. But it definitely got me into that entrepreneurial spirit in which i said hey you know what if you work hard and you and you spin a bunch of uh, plates you you can make it without having to work for the man well and then look let's talk about that for a minute because there's so much wrapped up in that you have and i'm going to use the big f word but not the one you're thinking failure okay we don't celebrate failure in this country but failure that you learn from turns into innovation like if you're willing, which is a big sentence, if you're willing, things can occur, especially if you have an entrepreneurial spirit. And we see you starting to make these shifts over toward your entrepreneurial side. And for people who don't know you, we're about to zap them pretty hard, but not quite yet, because I've got a little bit more background to do. And then we're going to set free the bear, so to speak. So how did you become involved with the avenue 14 10 16 60 tell us about that product so i was working with the dude rick vasky and we 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 had we had an idea for a pro like programming we we wanted to put together a young sound and kick butt country station or a young sound and kick butt rock station i i had just come from country and sports and rick had just come from you know rock radio 
and he had done a lot of sales too. And so we were looking for a station to lease. We wanted to try to lease a signal. And we started talking with uh, Sovereign City Radio out of Green Bay because they had a couple of small signals in our marketplace. Mm -hmm. And they wanted too much to lease the stations, but they were intrigued where they were intrigued by our ideas and that we were local in their local market. And so uh, their head consultant, Scott, I can't, Jerzynski, I think is Kersinski, Scott. Mm -hmm. He was a great guy. He came down and uh, he ended up hiring me and Rick to be consultants and help with his programming. And he said that they had this new idea called the Avenue. It was going to be like modern jazz uh, mixed with uh, some Motown and cater to a upper class uh, audience, 35, 64, and that if this format doesn't work, then we'll talk to you guys about leasing the stations. All right. And wait, 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 wait. Tell everybody where you are so that that makes sense. Looking at that 35, 64 audience, looking at those combination of things based on who is in that audience. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm in Fort Myers, Naples market, Marco Island. Yep. And so, you know, they say this is heaven's waiting room. This is where all the elderly come to retire and enjoy the sunshine. Um, so uh, definitely a 3564 station. You're you're right in the in, in the right place to be if you're trying to get that audience here in Southwest Florida. So, right. so now, now look, people tend to want to look at radio as one thing. This is where we're going to put our marker down for a minute. I think this is especially true for people who did radio in the 80s and the 90s and even the early 2000s. You tend to look at radio differently. Can you explain your view? And does that come from entrepreneurship and failure and trying different things and what's going on there? Well, I uh, I look at the, uh, radio a little bit differently because I think that I, I just don't really like the rules. You know, I, I like the research. But I, I don't like the rules like uh, I just did a podcast recently about Miles Davis, of course, the legendary trumpet player, yeah. jazz music. He and didn't like rules either. He, he didn't like rules either. But one thing I really respected about the guy, there's a lot of things I didn't. But uh, there were a lot of things I do respect about the guy when he handled his band. He yeah. would hire 19 piece orchestras. And maybe the bass player was doing something that he he wouldn't do or he, he doesn't maybe care for. He he may make a comment, but he would never steer them away from what they want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that you should hire people that they hire them for a reason. I hired this yeah. particular person to play the bass. And so uh, we're going to see what he can do and he'll die by his own hand. If he can't play the bass and he's, he's not in the pocket and he's not playing on time, it's going to show on the record and, and we're not going to use him anymore, but I'm not going to tell him what to do. So. All, all right. So, so, so look, so look, we're going to take a quick stop here to talk about internet radio, but only briefly, cause I got some fun questions coming. Now you started doing radio uh, our internet radio for fun is is that right? Yeah, kind of. I uh, I was DJing a lot at the time because I had gotten a little bit away from being on the air and found I could make just as much money, if not more, curating my own playlists and jamming out cl- clubs and bars and weddings and private parties and bar mitzvahs and whatever. So I, I really started to go hard on, on that side of things, and I had a really successful Friday night. Uh, at this bar called Cadillac Jacks and it was always packed and people couldn't even get in because it was so packed. And uh, I wanted to keep the momentum going. I was always trying to think, how do I keep this place packed out? And the, uh, the internet radio thing was just becoming a thing. I had gotten my first smartphone and I was, I'm originally from the Chicago area and I was listening to B96 and GCI and all my favorite stations from Chicago on my phone. So I was like, wow, streaming radio this is this is the new thing and i used to love listening to 93.3 flz the power pig on fridays and saturday nights because they would go live from the club and mm-hmm. i always thought that was the coolest thing live live at the club and i i did some of that as well in my terrestrial days where we would go live from the nightclub i so you know well, be cool? no, no no here's what i love about you in these kind of things you are keying off of experiences real things that are happening right 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I loved listening to DJ Matt the Brat from Ebor City on the Power Pig, and you could hear the crowd. And he was playing yeah. music. He was playing music you didn't hear during the week. He was yeah. playing. Uh, he wasn't playing the top forty hits you heard all week long. He was playing stuff I had never heard, and I was like, wow. And uh, and so I I wanted to try to bring that excitement to this bar on Friday nights. So my first goal was I just want to stream on Friday nights when I'm live at the bar. And that way, people that can't get in, because there's people outside that can't get in, they they could listen. People that yeah. can't get in could listen. And so I started doing this Friday Night Live. We called the station Muddy Country Radio. And uh, we did Friday Night Live with Muddy Country. And it, it became a thing to the point where advertisers started calling me, saying, how, how oh, do we Okay, now wait. I don't want to get too far ahead here, because we are going to talk about that in a minute. But I do want to drop this in here, because this is kind of heavy. You meet a guy named Doc McGee. Who is yes. that? How so did Doc, you meet him? And, so Doc, and and wait, and and what did you think that was going to be for you? I had met Doc McGee be, again because uh, I was DJing in the in the clubs, and uh, there was this one guy named Bob Green. Is his name? He used to love to come out and see me spin. He was a big supporter of mine. All, always would show up wherever I was DJing. And he actually married a girl whose sister was married to Doc McGee. Who is Doc McGee, for those of you that don't know? Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Clint Black, Darius Rucker. If you look up Doc McGee, this guy managed Bon Jovi in his heyday. He managed Motley Crue. If you've seen the movie The Dirt about Motley Crue, he makes a cameo in it. He currently is the manager for the band Kiss. Um and so Bob Green seen what I was doing with this live stream and creating a radio station. And uh, he's like, you know, I, I should connect you uh, with my uh, brother-in-law at the time. He was his brother-in-law, Doc McGee. And I didn't know who he was when he mentioned his name to me. But then I did my research. I was like, oh, this guy's the real deal. I need to get prepared. And yeah. so, uh, so, so I was invited to Los Angeles to go out there and meet Doc McGee. So I spent hours and hours researching the people that he represented it at represented at the time. And the three groups that I was pitching was he was managing Darius Rucker. So I pitched Rucker radio. Then he had kiss. So I pitched him big tongue radio. And then he had Ted Nugent, the motor city madman. So I had madman radio and I had a, I had a sales deck for all three of them. And I flew out to LA and I, I met with Doc McGee and he took a liking to me. And he really said that he thought this would be perfect for Darius. And I was like, well, perfect. I love country music. He's like, I think Gene, if it works with Darius, we'll do it with Gene. And he goes, I also think I could talk Ted into it as well. So now I'm thinking this is You're it. You're going on all of a sudden, I, right? I made it. I made it. I got it. And so uh, now fast forward a, a, a month later I go meet with Doc again and Doc's smoking a cigar at his house. We're on the back porch in Naples. He's puffing on that cigar. He's like, you know, kid, I really like you. I like what you're doing, but uh, I fly at 50,000 feet. And I use that line now. I, I love that line. I always will never forget. He told me that he's like, I fly at 50,000 feet. I look at everything. I look, I look at everything. I look at your history. I'm looking at your idea. I'm looking at your projections. I'm looking at your marketing. I look at everything. And he said that he had to bring it up to the record company. And he said, unfortunately, I love your idea, but the record company ain't having it. He's like, because the last thing they want, Darius is trying to get plays on terrestrial radio with new singles, country radio. If he comes out and waves his hand and says, listen to Rucker radio, listen to my station. The labels are afraid that, that the radio is just going to turn their back on them and say, Hey, enjoy your radio station, pal. And so, I was devastated. Gentry, yeah. the the enemy of innovation is success. For sure. Let somebody be successful and they will build a moat around it and say, we cannot move. But consumers will move on as we've all learned, right? So, sure. so listen, I, I want to be really careful here because it's now time to really paint your story. A little bit because and it's a great story, Gentry, because you are showing people in radio, you're showing people in creativity how you can 
bend, and I don't mean you specifically, but yes, you specifically can bend a product to make it blossom. And so I want to be careful here because I have to tell your story kind of backwards and I'm not going to tell it at all. I'm going to let you. A lot of people look at you now and they probably see Shaq Fu Radio. Yay. Tell us the story about what you're doing now and how that story set you on a direct path to meet Shaquille O'Neal, which I'm sure you didn't anticipate. Yeah, I didn't see, I definitely didn't see that one coming. Uh, When Doc told me, hey, I like you, and I think you have a great idea, but unfortunately the powers to be are not letting it happen. I really was devastated, and I, I was depressed for weeks, and uh, like just down, like, hey, you don't get that kind of opportunity coming at you that often. And so I thought, oh, when will I ever have a chance to get in front of a big celebrity that might be able to kick down doors for me? And um, and so I, I was well, you really thought you really thought you got in front of three almost and then it was suddenly taken away. Yeah, all, all of them were taken away. Yeah. But then uh, fast forward, I'm DJing again. Again, all the stuff leads back to being out. In front, you know, you got to be out in front of people to make things happen. And I think that you have to do things. Yeah, you have to be out shaking hands and meeting people. And and I, I've done a lot of that in my day. So I, I was out DJing again and uh, a local promoter uh, brings this uh, beautiful girl up to the DJ booth. And he says, uh, hey, Gentry, I want you to meet a hoops from Flavor of Love. And uh, I didn't know who she was. Uh, I knew she was beautiful. And uh, and I just figured this guy who came into the club, he, he's a local promoter. I figured he, he this, she's probably an R&B star or something. And so he asked if I would shout her out on the mic. And I did. And some people seemed to know who she was. I was like, oh, this is cool. And uh, I, I proceeded to ask her what she was drinking. And so uh, we started drinking. We started dancing. And uh, I really liked her. I was single at the time, and uh, I thought, wow, this beautiful woman here. We're having fun. We're dancing. She's into me. I'm into her. And so I got her number, and then uh, that was that. I had the radio station. Uh, She liked country music. I would tell her, hey, listen to my country station, and she would, and she would comment about songs she liked and songs I should play, and she was really into my station. I decided. I was like, let me look up this girl. Hoops from Flavor of Love. Who is this Hoops from Flavor of Love? And so I look her up because I start talking to her uh, and we have start having all these conversations. And when I look her up, I realize that she was a reality star. She was on the very first season of Flavor of Love where you try to get Flavor Flav to fall in love with you. And she won the first season and she's a model. And uh, by the way, she at one point just recently was engaged to Shaquille O'Neal, but they just had broken up. And I was like, oh, wow. How do you follow up Shaq? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, right now you're intimidated. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm like, wow, this, uh, this chick is, uh, a, a little, uh, got a little more clout than I, than I thought, but I just decided to keep my friendship going with her and, and never mentioned anything about her reality show and never mentioned anything about Shaq because I figured what I was doing was working. And so why screw that up? Then we tell uh, a short story a little bit longer here. I'm trying to, give you the uh, reader's digest version. No, it's okay. This is a really good story because people know, need to know how connections occur. So then I get a call from my buddy at the local sports station. This, this is just a, uh, you know, I guess call, call it a coincidence. He calls and he says, Hey Gentry, would you like to meet Shaquille O'Neal? He's going to be at the boys and girls club event down here. And uh you, if you want to go, I've got some free tickets to go to this event. And uh, I was like, wow, I think this is God telling me that I should say something to hoops about Shaq because I was so prepared for my Doc McGee meeting and I had all my business plan in order. I had my projections in order. I had my research in order. I was so ready uh, with Doc McGee. And when I failed with him and thought it was over, I I immediately, when I thought I'm going to get in front of Shaq, I thought maybe I should mention something to Hoops and tell her my idea because she's a big fan of my radio station. And she understands what I'm trying to do. At the time, right. I had no idea. If you read on the Internet, it said that they had broken up. But I just took a flyer and I messaged her and I said, hey, the, uh, Shaq is coming to my uh, my town here. 
and I have this idea. You got a minute? She got on the phone with me. I told her my idea is to build a radio station for Shaq. It could be branded around Shaq. He could do podcasts. He could DJ. He could do whatever he wants. It's his own radio station. She's like, I love the idea, and I talk to him all the time. I'm going to tell him about it. Well, I said, okay, great. I'll, I'll, I'll meet him at this event. So I go to the event, and just like every radio freebie you ever get, you, you should read the fine print. <laughs> because I didn't get the nice big free dinner. I got, like, shuttled in with the radio listeners in some hot room where we had to wait while all the people that paid the $250 a plate got to go eat dinner with Shaq. Oh. And, yes. then, and then they were going to uh, like in an hour, they were going to bring Shaq in and we'd have a chance to meet him. And I had sure. brought a date with me and I was like, you know what? We're not sitting around here for an hour. I'm leaving. And so I left and I just was disappointed again. I thought, well, it's just not meant to be, you know, what, whatever. This, the guy probably didn't even want to hear from me. This isn't the place or time to be talking business anyways at some charity event. And so I left and then I woke up the next morning with a call from hoops and she said, Shaq just called me and wanted to know why you didn't show up. And I was like, oh, oh, no, here we go. I'm like, he, he's into it. So, uh, so I immediately started putting together a demo, like what the station would sound like. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good, pretty good in the production room. So I put together oh, like that's right. a three-minute, you know, banger. What was just like, this is Shaq. I got a voice guy to cut it. I, I put in music drops. I, I spent hours and hours putting together this three minute demo. And she gave me his uh, email address and sh she said, email him the demo and the deck. And so I did. And then uh, before you know it, my phone rings and it's, Hey, what's up? This is Shaq. What do I got to do to get this radio station? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and then we started talking and uh, you know, there's a lot more to the story, but no, no, wait, wait, because I know a little bit, I know a little bit of the story. So I'm going to speed us up here and just say this to you. You didn't get the answer that you thought you would get from Shaq, which I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you wanted Shaq to kind of fund it and to give you what you needed to get to the level. And he told you something different. Yeah. So I had my research in order. And, it, and according to my research, it was going to take about a quarter of a million dollars to get this thing off the ground. And you and, know Shaq's got a quarter of a million dollars, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look it up on the Internet, he's worth $400 million. Why would this yeah, guy? Yeah, he's got not, a lot. Yeah, I was, just I was spread looking it at, over here. I was looking at radio stations and how much, you know, you would pay. And I was seeing, like, stations in major markets were, like, $30 million, $35 million. So what did he say? What did he so, say that kind of put you back on your heels a little bit? Well, he just, he, I never, I'll never forget it. He texted me and he said, Prolly, P-R-O-L-L-Y, Prolly, probably going to pass on this one. And I was, again, boom, Ooh. devastated. Here we go again. Uh, the little man is not supposed to win. They don't want you to win. You could do everything you can. You're not going to win. I'm thinking, why would this guy not give me 250000 I'm about to give him the world. I'm going to build a radio station that's 24-7. He says no. So luckily I had the relationship with hoops because and what did I, call, she say? I, I call her and I say, he don't want to do it. She's like, what do you mean? He doesn't want to do it. I said, well, he said no to me. That means he don't want to do it. And she said, what do you mean? He, he said, no. I said, well, he said, no, he ain't giving me the money. She said, well, that doesn't mean he's saying no. He's saying he, he's saying, no, he ain't giving you any money. He never said that he didn't want to do the radio station. She's like, what does he want to give you? He, he wants to give me, himself right. at this point i don't even know that he wants to give me that all i know is i got the text probably gonna pass right but and, she knows right she, she knows she's telling me he'll do it i bet he'll do it you need to go find the money you need to go find the money she's like someone is going to give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars so they can say they're in business with Shaq. and then she also told me something personal about Shaq, which now that i've known him for eight years i have learned about him he doesn't like just giving people money. He doesn't hardly give anyone. I mean, there's times where he is giving. Don't get me wrong. I see I see him right. giving. But he's not quick to invest his money in a business when he can just put his name in it and it be worth uh, endless amounts of money. You know, his Because name, his name is worth more than your name. Yes. So, yes. 
So I thought to myself, where am I going to find $250,000? Now I'm a radio guy that's used to making about 60, 70 grand a year. I ain't got no quarter million dollars. I don't have $25,000 at that time. And, and you're so, like, I just got my first friend that's got a quarter of a million dollars. His name is Shaq, and he don't want to give it to me. Yeah, he he ain't going to give it. So I, I did this uh, show. Back, uh, we skipped over, but I did work at Fox News Radio at one point and did uh, I've, I've had a million radio jobs, Lloyd. Uh, but uh, at one point I worked for a Fox News station that had Rush Limbaugh on and they had Sean Hannity on. And I was doing right wing radio for a while. And uh, we did a Saturday morning show with these financial advisors. And I literally was just the radio puker that was like, hey, welcome back to the private asset management group show. I'm here with John and Carl Nicolosi. We're talking annuities. John, tell me about annuities. And these guys had had a uh, bankroll of of clients that they dealt with that had money. I remember it because they would talk about it on their show. And I was just the radio guy that would throw them softball so that they could talk about financing and investments. And I thought, let me call those guys. They like me. Um, and uh, I, I think I've got something here. And so I call my friends, John and Carl over there, and they... They say, let us let me think about it. And within 24 hours, they set me up with a meeting with a guy by the name of Kelvin Thomas, who has become, uh, you know, a great business partner and a great friend. And uh, he owns a soccer club over in the UK, and he's a client of John and Carl's. They handle his portfolio and his finances. And so they said, let us hook you up with Kelvin. So I go to lunch with him and uh, we hit it off. I have... Uh, I was prepared, you know, I had already sat in front of Doc McGee. I had already went through this with Shaq. Now I'm sitting in front of an investor and he ends up thinking about it for a couple of days. And he comes back to me and he says, you know, Mike, I can't afford to give you 250,000 quid, but what I can give you is uh, I'll give you 75 grand. How does, how far will that get you? I thought, well, 75 grand is better than no money. And I started to think about it. I was like, you know what? 75 grand could at least get me, on the air. And I went back to him. I said, if you give me 75 and I get us on the air, will you give me another 75 in 90 days? And he said, deal. So I knew I was getting 75 startup. And in 90 days, I was getting another 75. Right, right. And so I called Shaq and I called Hoops and I said, I got the money. And I said, let's go. And even then it wasn't done yet because oh. now, now I have to get it approved through the Sharks, his agents in Las Vegas. And okay. they're, they're, of course, looking at me like, who is this freaking guy? All right. And now, wait a minute. I want to point this out to people who don't understand. Because, look, we have a lot of people that listen to our podcast for different reasons. They get encouraged about different things. There are a lot of people. Even today, I have somebody call me about how do you successfully do something alternative in the radio business where you set your own radio station up, where you do this, where you do this. And, and, and I get this all the time in my consulting practice. Listen, people might look at you and look at the opportunity to grow their online radio station and say, oh, man, that would be fun. Please, I feel like you're already doing this, but talk to us from a standpoint of how difficult it is to launch and then grow a company that does on line radio just briefly because i got three more questions for you we don't have much time but i definitely want to touch on this point so i don't think it's very difficult nowadays to launch an online radio station i mean anybody can do it it's i mean they get they got radio in a box nowadays and with uh chat gpt and uh, ai you got a big big helper there with uh, helping you launch your internet radio station i think that it's easy to get one on the air I don't want to say it's as simple as opening a bank account, but uh, it's it's pretty simple. It's to a get lot more simple than when you had to do it, right? Yes. Yes. It's gotten a lot easier. Now there's companies out there that have your streaming and your uh, app and everything in a box. But no, wait, uh, uh, launching one is not being successful, correct? Yeah. So launching one is easy, but having a successful one I, I have had to uh, fail, fail, fail again. And and we ju we launched in 2012. Uh, we didn't make money until 2018. I didn't pay everyone back until 2020. And I didn't really start seeing the benefits until late 2020. So literally eight years of doing it as a hobby, winning some days, failing some days, 
winning some weeks, losing for a week, automation systems go down, uh, you know, money you think you're going to get, you don't get technical problems. I mean, you name it, we, we dealt with it. So you have a lot of tenacity. You have a lot of willingness and you are willing to be consistent in, in digging in and getting things done. I want to touch on this because a lot of people who do the online or think about doing the online radio station thing, here comes the big question. How important are non-radio elements in having a successful online radio station? And I'm specifically talking about algorithms and specifically talking about how you create a funnel to push people to you. Yeah, so uh, I was a little disheartening because we all come from the radio days of, hey, we want them to get a listening for quarter hours. We we want to tease what's coming up. We want to do $1,000 giveaways so that they listen all day long, which that works in a PPM world and in a terrestrial ratings world. But the Internet is uh, is not like that. It's the uh, it's the wild, wild west. And uh, really, the way we get people to consume our content is in the headline. You know, you, you have to have that headline that gets people to click. Uh, we spend money on Google ads, on YouTube ads. Uh, this is just, all the time, right? Every every day we're, lo- we're looking at a dashboard of analytics and what ads are working, what ads aren't working. Uh, and uh, we we put out probably 30 pieces of content a day as a company. And when you find the content that works, you uh, you put money behind it so that you can continue to make it work. And the ones that don't, you know, you, you immediately have to know that and make adjustments with your budget. So you're not watch watching cash flow just go down the drain. So now, Gentry I, I, here, this is really important. You've heard this phrase quote, if you can do anything else, go do that. Unquote. This is true about this kind of stuff, right? This is this is trepidation. It's not for the faint of heart. You are either all in, you're entrepreneurial, you're willing to roll with the gut punches and keep fighting or you die, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, you you have to consistently, constantly get in front of your audience because unlike the days of P1s where you had people that were loyal, uh, loyalty is now out the door. It's like, what is entertaining me on my phone right this second? And so we have uh, little short videos of uh, Shaq saying that he's, he's looking for DJs. And uh, if you want to be a DJ on his radio station, hit him up. And uh, that seems to get people excited to, uh, to click the station. We also have DJs from around the world that, that come on, we have a different DJ at the top of every hour and they're from a different place in the country and they have their own following and they're promoting every time they hit the air. We're spending money on Spotify uh, to reach people that really uh, consume uh, online radio. And so we advertise on the competition. We spend money on Spotify. We spend money on other podcasts. Uh, What better place to promote your podcast than on someone's podcast so we That's do right and and look if you're, listen, if you're listening to this and and you've gotten to the point where you go oh my god i see what this is we're really about to light you up now and i mean this because this is not something that gentry just said uh well he may have actually said this he may have been like yeah, I just want to do Shaq Fu Radio, man. I just want this is easy. I'll get two hundred fifty thousand dollars from Shaq, and it's going to be great. He may have done those things. Those are mistakes. He's made a ton of them. Correct me if I'm wrong. You made a ton of them. And and Gentry, what you've gotten out of that is a lot of experience of understanding what you have to do every single day. So now. This is where we got to do a really good job. Talk to us about the depth of your company now, products, things you're doing, how much work that is, what you're into. Yeah, so we uh, we have a staff of about 15 people now. We have everyone from uh, we're, we're in the software development business. We're creating an, a new app and new platform for podcasters uh, that will be coming soon with our podcast playground 
uh, brand. And so podcasters will be able to go to this platform and, and post their podcasts and get distribution and immediately be connected to an ad server and do that through a platform. So we're in the software development. We also are developing new apps for our radio station to do more things and please more advertisers. So we're in the software business. We're also in the music business. What I've realized is licensing. So as we've been oh, doing yeah. these po podcasts, we started making music uh, just for our own shows. I was like, oh, let's make a wait, news. Wait, wait, wait. You're making your own music. Yeah. So uh, with our crew here, I can play the drums a little bit. I can play the guitar. I can play the bass. Uh, we have a guy who's really good on on the keys. And nowadays you can make a keyboard, a violin. You can make it a bass guitar. And so we have a team of okay. about five, five guys that come in here uh, twice a week. And we produce songs, everything from uh, news beds to sports beds to movie trailers to uh, like uh, epidemic type sounds to country. Just okay, now hold, the hold, library. Up, hold up, hold up for just a second. Name of your company is that's Audio Swamp. We're swamped with sound, and we have almost a thousand tracks. And uh, their name of the of the dot com that tips it all off. In other words, where you can find everything. Where is that? Yeah, that's at audioswamp.com. That's uh, that's where you can find our music brand. Radiocustoms.com is our parent company. We have 20 podcasts now that we're producing. There you uh, go. We assist Shaq with his podcast. Uh, we have D DJ Who Kid, who is a 50 Cent's DJ, and he interviews big celebrities uh, every week. Uh, we also have the Celebrity Jobber podcast with a guy named Jeff Zito, who talks to celebrities about their jobs they had before they became All right. famous. All right. And back up. you got Shaq Fu Radio. You, you have another radio product, right? Yeah, Muddy Country Radio, which is uh, the first property that we had. And that's a young, cool-sounding country station that breaks the rules. We call ourselves Outlaws, and you can get stuck in Muddy Country. It's really like a lifestyle brand as well. We sell apparel, and we, uh, we're we in the country community with uh, with Muddy Country. All right, so Gentry. We're also in the blog business as well. You, you can make oh. money on, on blogs. You can make money on streams. You can make money on podcasts. You can make money on music. We're also in the event business. We we throw events with sound, stage, and lights. You know, any, any way we can make money, we try around here. Okay, and for people who are in the terrestrial radio business, I'm just going to point out to you, if you think you're not going to learn something from somebody who's putting on online radio stations and podcasts, this dude doesn't have a terrestrial radio station. He's creating all of this universe, the 15 employees, all these different things. If you think you can't learn something from that, please go back and listen to every time that Gentry has talked to us about experiences and how important bringing experiences to people and being immersed in experiences and being a part of experiences are. Gentry, I want to thank you for being our guest today because you're an absolute friggin' rock star. I appreciate that. That was very nice of you, Lloyd. You're, you're a rock star yourself, man. Uh, I am just somebody who encourages radio and wants people to be successful and, and looks for people who are serious about doing the work and then trying to align them with the strategies that work for them. Listen, get more for your free resources, uh, more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside our free blog for you at RainmakerPathway.com anytime. We're here to encourage radio pros at all levels. And I really don't care if you have a terrestrial radio station. If you got something going on, you want it to be successful. It takes work. It takes strategy. It takes being intentional and doing the right things. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, reach out, email me, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. I hope that you have a great week. Listen, we like to say this at Rainmaker Pathway. We certainly say it on the radio rally. Quote, once you have a radio station, you get anything else that you want, unquote. If you want to know what I mean by that, please don't, don't be bashful. Call me, email me. I love sharing that story. We want to thank our special guest for this podcast episode, Gentry Thomas, founding partner of Radio Customs, the parent company that owns Shaq Fu Radio, Muddy Country Radio. 
podcast playground and audio swamp and a ton of other stuff that you just you just want to know more about them and and go back and listen. He tells you where you can connect with them. We want to thank him for being our patient and giving guests a very special thank you, of course, to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available almost as soon as we're done talking. And of course, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share our podcast, The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio and radio. Subscribe for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcasts. Remember this, if you don't remember anything else from this episode, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the Radio Rally with The Encouragers. And good night.